Hello and welcome to Tom Meets Interesting People. This is the podcast where I meet everyone from voice actors to nuclear engineers to talk about their work, their projects and their processes. My guest today is August Aguilar, who is an independent filmmaker and podcaster and the creator of Strange Films Studios, a production company that is passionate about creating horror and bizarre stories through film and comic books. Strange Films is currently planning for The Gifted, their latest film starring Ginger Lynn Allen, but the most well known for The Lion's Den, a short film that has over 1.5 million views on YouTube. Now, the origin of Strange Films could almost be a movie in itself. Um, August, you were working at a local film studio in Knoxville and you see an ad to submit a short horror film to the Knoxville Horror Film Festival. You team up with your father and you create There's Something Down the Road. And I'm going to imagine this was the jumpstart to Strange Films. So what was behind that submission? Have you always wanted to be a filmmaker or was it more of a sort of spur of the thing moment that led to something that you seem very, very passionate about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, Tom, for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where... Um... I've always been very, very passionate about filmmaking, uh, movies in general, being a writer, uh, being just super creative. Uh, I just, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I was always writing like pages and pages and pages of stories. Um, I had a little home camera that I was making little home movies with, um, you know, as I was getting older in high school and in college, I was, uh, well, in high school, I was making movies with my friends. And then in college, I really studied uh, radio, film, and television. Uh, I was a mass communications major. So I was really kind of learning all like the actual like uh, process of how to edit, how to shoot, how to, you know, do all those different things as a filmmaker. But I never really took it serious because, you know, you're 20, 21, yeah. and you're just hanging out, whatever. I had a girlfriend at the time that I was super serious about. So it was kind of just like, I just, um, you know, I just kind of was getting by with classes. You know, I was like, ah, you know, I wasn't failing or anything. I was just doing my, getting my grade, going out and going home. And really the only film I took that very serious with was my very last film before I graduated. Uh, it was just like, you can, if you watch it now, you can really tell like the very beginnings of strange films, directing and writing and shots and all that stuff. Um, but again, it's very, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. So uh, two years later, um, I didn't I wasn't making anything. I was just a lot of things were going on in my personal life. And I moved um, from my town that I was growing up in. I moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. So uh, it was actually a, new, a television news station I was working at. And I saw that ad. And, uh, you know, yeah, it just kind of sparked that you know, background of me again, that interest, that passion. I was like, man, I need to make, cause I've always was like thinking about, I want to make a movie again, but I never mm -hmm. had the gear, my own gear or the drive. I didn't really know what to do. I just kind of was like, ah, that, that would be cool. You know, if I had the money or something. And, and then, you know, I just saw that ad. It was just kind of like, I, I want to do this. I need to do this because I was in that place in my mind with the news that I just knew I hated that. I wasn't happy. I was working all these overnight shifts and I was just always by myself. I lived, I was new to town, so I didn't know anyone or had family around. So I was just like always by myself. And I think that just was like the calling card that said, you know, you, this is something you need to do. Like, this is something you need to go for. And it just kind of awoken something in me. And 
right as I made that decision and uh, paired up with my dad, yeah, it just kind of everything started moving so fast. We, uh, you know, I wrote the script. I bought all my gear. I used like my tax return to buy some gear and everything. And uh, I learned a bunch of things on YouTube that I maybe was lacking before. I had to rebrush up on stuff that I studied beforehand. And uh, yeah, we just went and shot the movie and, you know, it got in the festival. And after that, it was like, I, I quit the job um, pretty shortly after I f shot the movie and I just started bartending just so I had some flexibility in my day. And I just found myself so much happier pursuing this creative dream. And then it really kind of took, uh, it took like the, the, it took it to the next level when I saw that I got to the festival and everyone enjoyed the movie. And I yeah. was like, okay, I think, I think we're on to something here. And then next thing you know, I'm, I flew up to Philadelphia and we shot the second movie and everything just kept going and going and going and going. And now it's built into this thing I can't control anymore. It's huge. <laughs> so I'm trying to, you're trying to keep up with it really. You know, it's really interesting because every creative that I've spoken to and everyone who's kind of forged their own path has said something kind of similar. You, you said uh, two lines that I need to do this and mm -hmm. I was happier afterwards so what is it is there anything specific about filmmaking that you absolutely love or is it kind of just you have to do this you can't do anything else i think it's two things like definitely the filmmaking side of it just because i know that's where my real passion lies in you know mm -hmm. um i think i love just telling stories i love being able to share a vision share something that i have written and shot and directed edited everything you know and then just share that to the world and hopefully get some enjoyment out of that or get some really you know feel some something whether it's horror or drama or whatever it is you, you know you're creating something that's everlasting so it's always going to be around even be, be, you know after me you know so i think that's really really cool about filmmaking and uh, as a writer growing up i just always thought telling stories is just really um, really fun and I love movies too so yeah. that just goes hand to hand but I do think the other part of that is you know when you say I need to do this I, I do think as creatives in general um, outside the filmmaker filmmaking world I think it's just really important that creatives have that outlet to you know to dive into that world head on because there's going to be there's a few different types of creatives I think there's some creatives as a hobbyist which is great yeah you know they like to dabble into it they have Sometimes they can make some money off of it or they just like to showcase it, whatever. It's a hobby. And then there's some that really need it as their, their main pipeline. Like it's their passion. And it doesn't really matter about the results, whether it's monetized or, you know, on a level where it's getting all these views or anything like that. They're just doing it because it fuels them too much. And that's the only thing that they've always been satisfied with in life, I think. And, and I definitely think there's a balance you can find in that world too, you know, having either a job or a family or both. and all these different things. But I definitely think like as creatives who are super passionate about something, they say, I need to do this. Um, yeah. I think it's very, I think it goes for all fields of creativity. There's something that just drives them and it's all I can think about. It's all they feel, you know, it's like what's excites them the most. And that's kind of where I'm at with, uh, with all this. Yeah. And of course you share that with your father as well, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great because me and my dad, um, you know, we, we live separately for most of my life. And so he's always up in Philly and I was always down here in Tennessee. And, you know, when I got older, I started visiting him more on my own and we got a lot closer and everything. 
Uh, but when we did this uh, film together and just started Strange Films, like we just ended up becoming really, really close. And it, it, it sparked something inside him that he, you know, he likes to say to me all the time that he never thought he could ever do, you know, which he loves writing too. He loves movies. He loves, you know, the idea of making a movie. So it, it just sparked something, I think, for both me and him that made us grow a lot closer and it's made it much more exciting. And, you know, it's, we're, we're two little psychos just talking about <laughs> movies and what to make next and what we're going to do and, and all these plans. It's uh, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and we're, uh, we're both really grateful for the journey so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is there anything more fun than being two little psychos making horror? Uh- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now this brings me to my next question. Why horror as opposed to any other genre? What is it about horror that you absolutely, this is, this is what you love. This is what you want to work in. I think that was all kind of like, um, it just kind of happened to be, you know, really like I, I never liked horror movies growing up. I just, uh, I was always scared of them and I started really getting curious about them in high school and, and then college, I started really watching them more and whatnot. And now I love horror movies. I love watching everything that comes out. But, um, you know, I think it just happened to be that universal thing where the universe was like, Hey, this is a Knoxville horror film festival. And I was like, horror. Well, I, I think that would be fun. And, and, you know, Frank, my, my dad, he is a big horror fan, always has been. So like that kind of sparked him. And when we did it and we realized how much fun a horror movie could be. And, um, and obviously there's a huge horror scene out there, especially even our local community. Like it just kind of was like, Oh, this is really popular and this is really fun and we can get really weird and cool and scary and, you know, just unnerving a little bit. And I think just kind of, as we started doing more horror movies, that's kind of what we were known for yeah. doing horror movies. And a lot of people still think like, Oh, we do only horror, which is, which is 80% true, but we do like, we do a lot of other stuff. I yeah. mean, I've done comedies, I've done action, I've done drama, I've done documentaries, I do music videos, I do everything. I love every, every kind of uh, genre, but it's uh, the horror genre is really popular. It's really fun. And it is exciting to kind of, just come up with a weird concept, you know, and yeah, and it's like, how can I make this into a movie and disturb people or, you know, just whatever. And it's just a lot of fun. And horror is that, that forgiving genre too. Yeah. It can be super cheesy. It can be like low budget, but people love it, you know, and it can be really, really well done and, and indie and artistic and people praise it. So it's just all these different waves of fandom and support behind the the field and uh i just think uh we just kind of fell into it and um i I love it i love being in the scene and i think it's really cool that we're known for making cool horror movies yeah no totally uh like because i watched he comes to kill uh last night which is one of of your feature films i absolutely loved it i was i was very i'm i'm very easily scared but it reminds me of that same thrill i get when i go on a roller coaster it's i can kind of experience that level of fear that comes with a scary situation, but I'm still at home and I'm safe and mm. nothing's going to happen. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, well, one thing we like to do with our horror movies too is uh, we definitely don't go on any sort of intense, too much yeah. intense ride. We like to be quirky. You know, I, I'm sure as you could tell with He Comes to Kill, it's a lot. It's almost like a horror comedy. There's a lot of comedy moments into it. There's a lot of weird, wacky stuff going on, quirky things. And that's part of our signature charm. If you watch all of our movies consistently, you'll see um, 
something either quirky or funny or whatever. And I think it's just more of like us trying to tap into like the darkest moment of the film, but at the same time, bring you back in to feel like you're um, comfortable watching what we're, what's going on because there is like that kind of actor character or quirky moment and something you're just like having a thrill with like a roller coaster. Like you're yeah. just going, you're building, building, building to that intense moment and then, oh, and then you, you come down and then you're, cruising a little bit and you know you're having fun with it it's 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 funny or whatever so um but yeah i i we definitely um i mean being comfortable and, and watching things at home and whatnot is always great it's, that's why we always try to bring our stuff to youtube and everything that way anyone can watch anytime and i uh, definitely just think we try to balance that level of um people who don't like horror would still enjoy it and yeah. people who love horror would hopefully really appreciate it because it also made it more accessible to me as well yeah uh because sure. i am a scaredy cat um yeah. i got terrified and a simpsons episode one of the halloween uh halloween episodes um absolutely scared the living daylights out of me when i was six and i refused <laughs> to watch it until i was about seven or eight afterwards uh, uh because yeah in, in he comes to kill you've got the bookstore owner that's just sort of dancing mm -hmm. along um mm -hmm. that's kind of hilarious uh the line as well that i thought was kind of funny in in in, in that moment uh Breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your oh yeah yeah <laughs> nose. That made me giggle. So it's obviously uh -huh. something that you enjoy throwing in uh, into yeah. your films. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, I think it's important, you know, just to kind of have that balance. It also depends on the film, yeah. you know, what we're making and whatnot. But um, I just you know because we have as much as we like horror stuff, like I said, we're, we're, we're always laughing. We're always having fun. We're always goofing around. So it's, it's nice to have some of that charm into our, into our work. So it's not just always so serious yeah. because one thing that we like to do when we're shooting is we like to just have fun. It's a lot of like improv. It's a lot of ad libbing. It's a lot of, you know, if we were at a location and we see something cool that we didn't think about in the, in the script, we're like, Oh, we got to use that. That looks yeah. awesome. You know, and you know, we give the actors all a lot of creative freedom, you know, just say, Hey, this script is a template, you know, as long as you're kind of hitting the points that we need to hit, you can kind of deliver this however you want or add to it or whatever, you know? So like, like that, that line with breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, you know, that with Jordan, he, uh, he improv that whole thing. Like he, and it was just like a nice, like, because I'm giving him trust to, to deliver something really, really intense. But he can also add that little flair of, you know, just quirkiness. And, yeah. and like when we saw that in the theater, when we did our premiere, everyone laughed at that, too. And that was great because this was like a super intense moment of the film. Um, but it, I think it's just more about we're not so hung up on. Everything has to be so specific. Everything has to be so um, serious. You know, we're just like, hey, we're here to have fun. We're going to make a movie. And as long as we're hitting what we're trying to accomplish, if we can add some extra flair into that, that's going to make this a really fun ride. Then I think that's, that's our, yeah. that's like our little golden recipe, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's a, uh, it's cool when we can do stuff like that. A lot of it's happy accidents and a lot of it's plans. So. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit as well, because I, I think you've probably hacked into my computer and read my notes. Cause that was going to be one of my <laughs> questions uh, regarding the script. Uh, so let's jump into the process now. And you, I mentioned in the intro, you've got uh, your latest film that will be filming this summer. Uh, so mm -hmm. we can kind of use that for context. Uh, before we really dive into your process, though, can you introduce The Gifted to us? 
Yeah, sure. So um, The Gifted is coming out. It's our next feature film. It's starring Ginger Lynn Allen. Uh, so she's known for a lot of different things. You know, in the 80s, uh, she was a super big star in the adult entertainment industry. Uh, but she definitely has always been in the horror industry as well. So she's yeah. doing like horror conventions, indie horror. She worked with Rob Zombie on like the Devil's Rejects and 31 and stuff like that. So, um, but Ginger Lynn, we met, um, Frank met her at a convention when we had our film Raven uh, at a festival. And um, he's always been a fan of her. So they talked and somehow, you know, he got her email and whatnot. So for about eight months, he was in contact with her to get this you know, because he wanted her for this movie idea that he had. And for about eight months, he just worked behind the scenes uh, getting that, you know, booked. And, and she finally came on to the project. And, um, yeah, it, it's a really, really fun project. It's uh, it's called, yeah, it's, it's called The Gifted. It's pretty much about a woman who, her name's Barbara, who Ginger Lynn will be playing. And she has, like, this supernatural ability where she can control people through using, like, a charm. And when she controls people, she can control their own free will or actions or whatever. And, you know, a lot of it's also been used, a lot of that's been used for really bad stuff, you know, yeah. uh, hurting people, you know, stealing, whatever. Um, and a lot of that that she's done as the gifted breaks it down uh, three different stages of her life. Uh, so how it sets up is Barbara, who Ginger Lynn is, she's an older woman and she's just it's just too much you know she spent her whole life hurting people and all these things has had happened to her and she just wants to pretty much die and she just wants to give up and but she gets told that there's this priest who can um get rid of her powers if she just confesses her sins to the priest so we open with her going to this priest and uh the priest is a very very odd character we'll say that uh, and he's got an assembly behind, uh, in the church as well. And the, that congregation's very like out of this world. So it's a very, very bizarre look scene. And um, yeah, so he says, yeah, all you have to do is confess your sins. And she's like, well, let me start from the beginning. So this, the film breaks down to Ginger as a little girl. And we kind of see where some of that stuff was happening in the beginning. And then there's a middle segment where Ginger's a, like a young woman, like in her 20s or 30s. And, you know, there's, she's in a relationship and you see some of that and what happens there. And then we, there's a third and final story where uh, Ginger is it, uh, Ginger Lynn herself. It's the night before the church. So yeah. so the whole like uh, three different stories in one film all tying together. And it's just we, we just see what Barbara went through her whole life with this power and how she used it or how she was manipulated to use it. And, uh, it's a really, really, it's a wild ride and uh, it's going to be a horror and drama. So it's definitely a blend of both. Um, some comedy moments, of course, always, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. We're shooting that in May. She's coming down here, uh, the 19th and 20th, and we're going to shoot her scenes. And then I'm going to be going up to Philadelphia, probably like July or August. And we're going to shoot the last, scenes up there um and then combine it all together so yeah yeah uh was there like a reason you picked going for the free time periods as opposed to just making it sort of one sort of linear narrative from start to beginning well this is my dad's project you know because how we operate we um he will write and produce things and i write and produce things and i direct everything so but this is his project that he wrote um, but I think the the mindset behind that is 
you know, we could have done like a linear piece with just Ginger Lynn and whatnot. Um, but I think it's interesting for him to, because we always wanted to kind of do something like an anthology, like yeah. a feature with an anthology in it. And I think this is a close step to that. So it's a feature film with Ginger kind of telling a story and we had to see three different stories in it, but it's all about the same character. So I think it's cool to see like, one character go through three different transitions and figuring out the audience is trying to figure out what's going on the entire time. So um, I just think it's uh, probably just a different, interesting way to approach a film. A lot of all of our films are pretty much linear. Um, and I think it's cool to kind of do more of a different approach to that, just, uh, you know, through stages of yeah. time and uh, kind of tie it all in together as well. And what's cool about this film is it's actually tying into one of our previous films, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, it's kind of like, um, not I wouldn't say a direct sequel, but it's more of like a spinoff of it, which is really going to be fun for people who are fans of our work. Yeah, yeah. So did your dad come to you like with the idea kind of already formed and then it built from that? What, what, what did that look like from like that first synaptic spark to the stage we're at now and the stage we will be in the future? Yeah, um, he definitely, he always pitches ideas to me. And this is an idea, he kind of had two different ideas that ended up kind of blending together on this one. But one definitely was, uh, you know, he had this idea of a priest and someone confessing her sins, or their sins to the priest. And the anthology idea was in the works of that. Um, so it was kind of like, yeah, he had this idea of this priest and he kind of knew where he wanted to go with that, but he didn't know exactly what the stories were going to be like. Um, and then once Ginger Lynn was on board, that idea was still there, but he kind of combined another idea he had that revolves around the supernatural element, which is uh, her having powers and stuff mm -hmm. that wasn't really in the original draft of things. So um, I came up to Philly back in December because we had to shoot another project of ours and finish up. And Every time we get together, we always have a night where we just, you know, relax with some drinks and hang out and we talk shop about everything. And we just really started talking about The Gifted because Ginger Lynn was already on board at this point and we haven't sent her the script. So yeah. we were like, <laughs> we got to get the script done. You know, we we're like, we, time, you know, time is of the essence. So um, we just kind of hashed out everything, all his ideas, all my ideas. He asked me about that supernatural element, you know, from his other idea. He's like, do you think that's quirky? Do you think it will work? And I was like, I think that's awesome. I think it will be really cool. And that's kind of how we just formed exactly what those stories would look like, how we would tie it into our universe, um, how we would flow and how we would shoot the whole thing between Knoxville and Philadelphia. So pretty much like once we got together and did all that, Everything became so clear. We got the script written within a couple of weeks. We sent it off. It was she loved it, and everything was all good. We and we booked everything since. So, I think it's interesting because you never really know what you're going to get until you get to yeah. it. So yeah. it's like, so even with this, you know, we had all these ideas finally on paper. We sent it that way. We got everything in motion. We're booking everything, and then I'm like, okay, I got to shoot a teaser trailer for this thing because I need to get people excited for what's to come. So one of my actors, Joe Casterline, uh, he was in He Comes to Kill on – he was Chief Sanders of the movie. Um, he's going to be the priest in The Gifted. So we shot a teaser trailer with him uh, just this last Wednesday. And even it's like you shoot – once you're shooting like right then and there and you're talking about the priest, you're in that character, and you're just trying to figure out his backstory, trying to figure out what's going to happen in the final film, 
new ideas emerge, new like understandings, you know, take place. And you're just like, oh, this is what we're going for with this priest. Now I kind of have a better picture of what it's going to look like. And and I think there's even some added new ideas that's going to make this film even better just because we were able to kind of really workshop that idea right then and there. Um, you know, when you get on set, that just happens a lot because you you got everyone in the same room and you're trying to work the scene out. And then you get all these different inspirations and, and people suggesting things. And then that's kind of how a film takes place. So, um, you know, I think things even after we shoot with Ginger uh, and the scenes in Philly, I think even though we're, we've got a really good idea of how this thing is going to look like, I think it's going to still evolve even more by the time this is all said and done. Yeah. I do want to come back to that point as well with like what it's going to look like after it's done and, and, and mm-hmm. the, the sort of relationship between your cast and the script itself. But before we go to that, I, I do want to also talk about funding as well, because you've yeah. got an Indiegogo page that you want. We want to, at the time of this, we're halfway through it already. So by the time this episode goes out, it's already uh, mm-hmm. kind of happened. So let's talk about the funding kind of itself. H- how do you even approach that? It's a, it's a tough line to walk. I mean, it's, we're in a great time that indie film is very thriving and mm-hmm. there's a lot of support that goes into it, uh, especially horror. So it's not uncommon to see filmmakers like myself who are either experienced or not even too experienced, but they're, you know, they've, they do crowdfunding campaigns for their projects. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always weird where it's kind of like, Hey guys, we're making a movie and we need your help. If you want to throw in some money to help us make it. Um, but, you know, we're at that point now where we've never asked people to fund our movies. Yeah. We've always funded by ourselves, you know, and, and like we love doing it. It's like uh, we're not expecting money back, you know, or anything like that. Um, but we do it because we love it. Yeah. But with this project in particular, since it's so big and also the talent does cost pretty much a majority of the budget, uh, it's, um, you know, I thought we all thought it was the right time to say, okay, we're going to be that film. We're going to be the filmmakers who present a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. We're going to make it worthwhile. We're going to present some great rewards with that stuff. You know, whether it's a shirt or a Blu-ray or a sign thing from uh ginger Lynn, or, you know, you, you can even be a walk on role of the movie and stuff like that. You know, th- we're going to make it worth it. Um, and we're going to just see how much support we can get with this because uh, we do have a fan base. Now we do have a yeah. lot of support with what we do. Um, I, I can say given this, since this is our first crowdfunding for a movie, I've done crowdfunding through Kickstarter for my comic books and whatnot. Uh, and those have all been overfunded and everything. I've always had a success with all that stuff, but, um, for the movie, since we had a high budget and everything, and I mean, not too high, $7,000 is what we were looking for. Uh, my experience with this first crowdfunding campaign is not going the way I was expecting. It's definitely not like. We're not getting anything, you know, we've got a, you know, a few thousand going in, but it's, um, it's a learning process and I take everything as a learning experience. You know, we have to kind of figure out, okay, how do we market the campaign? If we're going to do it again next time, how do we, what kind of rewards are people even looking for? Is it the economy right now? Is it this, is it that, you know, who's on board as far as talent, who's all helping promote this thing. It's a lot of different moving parts, you know? And, um, I just think it's a, it's I think if you're in the right mindset with it um, and you're trying to give back as much as like 
you're trying to put in, uh, I think, I think it's worth doing. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not someone who are like, Hey, let's, let's just get your money. Cause this, and, and, and cause we have an idea like this thing is going to happen no matter what yeah. like, the film is going to come out and we have everything booked. I mean, we've got everything in on, you know, ready to go. So it's just one of these things where even if we're going to pay out of pocket again to do this, we want to show people like we're true to our word. You know, yeah. we're, we're presenting projects, we're presenting ideas and we're in a place that, Yes, you could help us support. You can, if you want to keep seeing strange films grow, like you are in a place that could help us out doing that. Um, and we're confident asking that thing now. It's not yeah. for everything, you know, but for these bigger projects or if you're doing like a Patreon or whatever, like we're confident with like saying, hey, this is what we do now. We're at that point. Um, but even if you, you fund or not fund, we're still going to bring you content. We're still yeah. going to bring you an exciting project and we're still going to be thrilled about it. So it's definitely an interesting concept and experience. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to try, you know, definitely. Yeah. And, and don't be too hard on yourself either. Cause I'm, I'm on the Indiegogo page now. You still got 20 days left. Yeah, for sure. already. So that's good. Um, yeah. I, I think you can make yeah. it up. Yeah, I think like usually um, I know like the last week is usually a nice little push, yeah. you know, last few days and whatnot. We have a couple different things like the teaser trailer I'm hoping is going to excite people. Uh, I'm actually right after this. I'm actually doing a podcast with Ginger Lynn. So nice. we'll have that out and hopefully kind of get some excitement with that. Um, you know, so I think there's a couple different things that we're trying to do a last push with. You know, we're going to try to add a couple of last minute perks, like some sign stuff from Ginger and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for the for for what it is, our first time, what we got, uh, I'm okay with yeah. you know the process and and all that. Definitely, at least we're going to be covering most of Ginger's expenses and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, you know, because you look, at, you know, at, that's another part. Like when you're in this kind of field, you're always trying to compare yourself with other filmmakers or other like crowdfunding campaigns or stuff like that. So you see another indie filmmaker, it's got like a crowdfunding campaign, it's like thirty thousand dollars funded. You're like wow, how'd you do that? I have the same perks as you do, and we've got a cool talent. We've got a cool story, you know? So I don't, I don't get it sometimes. I I do think it's, I don't know, it depends, I guess, on maybe who you have on or whatnot, but uh, I definitely, uh, I'm I'm not mad about the situation. I think, yeah, we got 20 days left as of today. Yeah. Um, got a good chunk of change going into it right now, so we'll see what happens. Either way, like I said, the gifted will be made, and we're definitely very excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And it's quite right that, like, it's it's going into, like, sort of talent and actually paying people for their time. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's a big thing that we have, like, in any kind of creative industry, whether it is filmmaking or podcasting. It's people that are giving up their time and, yeah, not being paid. So it's good, it's good yeah. that people are getting paid. Um, let's now talk about no budget. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something that I know that you do, and you do it very, very well. Thank you. So, how do you do it without all of that extra stuff that comes with the money? Yeah, it's this is a this is a very like I think it's important to know, you know, because I get a lot of questions all the time from people who don't make movies or whatnot. They're, you know, they're like, "How do I make a movie?" Or they'll send me a script and it's like, "Way, it's like, yo, dude, like this is, you, need, <laughs> you need like a million dollars to make this." You know, it's like. I think it's I think it's important to know when you, when it comes to no budget filmmaking and wanting to make a movie you have to really think like keep it simple you know yeah. keep it simple and keep it to your own like 
constraints of like what you have available to you, you know? So it's like when it comes to writing, like when I write a script, I write in a way where I know I could physically film it with my two hands, you yeah. know, because I shoot most of my projects. I've had one project. I think I've someone's filmed the entire thing for me. So everything else is me just understanding if I had to go out with my own camera, I could shoot this. Yeah. And I think that makes a whole difference itself because you're like, I don't need anybody else. I don't need like a huge budget or a crew. I mean, it's nice to have a crew to help yeah. audio or lights and stuff. But even if I couldn't have that, I know I can film this. So um, that's one thing. And then the other part of it is keep it simple where it's like, okay, I have a barn in the backyard or something. If, you know, whoever has, I have this location I have access to. I have that location I have access to. My friend's dad owns that business. And he said we could film there if we wanted to. You know, I've got two friends who've done a little bit of acting, or I've got a family member who's always wanted to act, you know, yeah. whatever that looks like. If you can just find those things that you have access to and people who want to help you or find a local film community and say, hey, I'm doing this and I need some A, A B, C. People are going to help you do that. And then it's all about uh, all about uh, being clever with the writing. So if you're filming something in that barn or whatever, you can make a whole film all in that barn yeah. or outside the barn. But you have to, like, just be clever about what you're trying to tell. You know, is it a horror movie? Is it a drama movie? Is it a comedy? Are you going to do whatever you're going to do? Just get creative with what you can do inside that barn or outside that barn. So. And that's just an example, you know, like I said, I, I, I get really ambitious with my writing. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to go a little like bigger, but it's, um, it's definitely, uh, I, I always try to keep it like, okay, I know I can film here and this might be a little tough, but I have experience with that and we can do it. So I think it's just a matter of just trying to be clever and simple and, and just being logical about the situation. If you don't have budget, you don't yeah. need a budget, you yeah. know, if you need props, Really, my budget always went to like props or makeup or, you know, uh, renting a place if I had to, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just a matter of um, just being simple, clever and and logical about your situation and, you know, um, and, and having fun with it, too. Don't be don't get so stressed out yeah. about, yeah. you know, the process of making a movie because it's not like it is stressful, but it's not impossible anybody can make a movie you can make a movie with your phone you know it's like it's 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 insane how easy and accessible it is now you can learn so much on youtube and everything so uh yeah no budget no problem <laughs> yeah is that you, you talked about just using a barn is that kind of what you did for the lions then you just had that location nearby you yeah we did we had access to the lions the the barn pretty much a big ranch home and uh yeah she was like yeah just film the whole you know <laughs> we can film the whole thing and that what was tricky about that was we filmed it right in the middle of covid so it was like everything was on lockdown we weren't even supposed to be hanging out or whatever like it, you know the whole thing was like got to have up to 10 people i think in a group or something so i was like okay let's do uh me four cast member or five cast members and four crew and that was our 10 people and we just we went out in the lines that barns it was all outside too and we just shot the whole movie there and uh yeah yeah you just sometimes you just have a you just find that location and you're like oh that'd be cool or like oh you can film here all right done yeah. <laughs> I, and i wrote i wrote the whole script around that location you know something that i'm noticing as well is to get things done whether it is filmmaking or podcasting or any kind of industry where you are collaborating and working with others the best thing to do is just ask isn't it 
Oh yeah, for sure. It can never, it's like sales. I mean, I hate sales, but it's like, you're never going to get the sale if you don't ask, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's the same thing with a podcast. You know, I, I reach out to guests all the time and say, Hey, would you like to be my podcast? And you might have a big percentage of no's, but you're going to have someone that says yes. And I had like recently, I've had a few really exciting yeses. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and, but filmmaking, especially, yeah, if you're looking for a location, I have been, I'm that kind of guy. I'll walk into a bar. I'll walk into a place and say, hey, uh, my name is August. I'm a filmmaker here. Da, da, da. Uh, we're wanting to shoot a movie. I love this location. Is there any way we could, you know, maybe shoot here? And, you know, there's going to be places that are a little bit more strict about it. Yeah. And there's going to be places that are like, wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've had both. And uh, you just never know, especially if you just like I'm, I'm really active on Facebook um, because uh, that's kind of how I started this whole thing. And yeah. I'm in a bunch of different film groups and whatnot. So anytime I'm looking for any kind of location or resource for a project, that's really the first place I go. Hey. Does anyone know this or does anyone have access to that? And half the time I'll get my answers right then and there and I, I get everything booked from there. But then if it's me having to walk around or go drive by something or location scout myself, like, yeah, you just got to ask and yeah, you'll be surprised how many yeses you'll get, yeah. you know, in, in the, in that kind of world. Um, I, I don't, you know, I stay, you stay away from like the big corporate stuff because they're, that's all, you know, uh strict but if you your local businesses your local people that you know um in uh public access places you know you you shouldn't have any problem trying to find something you're looking for yeah and you're supporting each other like you just said supporting local businesses yeah, um, for sure and we love to do that we uh we've done we've worked with so many local businesses that we you know put in the credits and give shout outs to and uh you know we will have like premiere parties at the local businesses you know stuff like that like that's really cool too because it kind of comes back to them they get to be featured in something and they're excited and you get a crowd there and you're like oh yeah this is great you know so yeah you definitely if you can support them and and provide some sort of like credit or say hey we'll do a premiere party here or something like that or if you have like something you want us to put in the background of this movie or something like that you can always do stuff like that which is always fun too mm -hmm. yeah um let's go back now to talking about the characters in the script um when you're casting for a role mm -hmm. How does it happen? Like, do you have when you're writing a potential character, a potential actor in mind that would fit that character properly? Or is there kind of like a middle ground between what you're bringing to the table and what they're bringing to the table? In other words, kind of like, how does it work? And like, what, what do you tend to look for? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a little bit of both. So it's, you know, like when you're writing, if you if you don't have anyone in mind at first when you're writing, everything kind of ends up being like mysterious. You know, you're trying to figure out what this character is, uh, who could play that, you know, um, how how that character interacts in that world. And then what's exciting about the writing process is once you really understand your character, you can just be crazy with it. You know, I love pushing my character to a place where I always like to say my character will do something or say something in this film that I would not normally see in the real world, you know, which is cool to me because you can just be weird or nasty or, or funny or whatever. You can just, you can play off that. So when you, when, when you're doing it like that, when you're trying to find someone to fit that role, that gets a little challenging because you're going to have a lot of submissions coming through, you know, again, you know, Facebook or email or whatever, you do these casting calls and you're going to have a lot of people coming through and say, oh, I want to audition for that character or this and that. But you, you kind of have like an idea of what this character is going to be.
be like on screen. So when you're seeing a bunch of different people coming through, you're like, I don't know if that person could be, that person could be really be uh, great, but then you find out they're not so great for that role or something. So it's a lot of kind of figuring that out. But once you like, if you've worked with someone before and you think they would be great for a character, that's what's cool when writing a project, knowing who you want for that role, because you know their mannerisms, you know their ideas, you know like how they talk and what their acting range is and stuff like that. Like currently I'm writing a uh, TV series and uh, one of my guys, uh, Jordan, who played He Comes to Kill, uh, Jordan, uh, who played uh, Mark in He Comes to Kill, uh, he, I, I know like how wild he was in that movie. Yeah. And I'm playing off a little bit of that going into this. So same thing with Joe Castelline. He's a great example too. Like I've now working with him, I know kind of like how great of an actor he is and um, you know, and his range on some of that stuff. So it's like I can really apply him into some of these scripts I'm writing now. Um so and we do work with a lot of people that we've worked with before just because they blow our socks off, you know. They're yeah. like super, super impressive, very, very talented and professional and they bring something to the table that you just like even on it's better than what's on paper because you're like wow like this is even cooler than i imagined but we always love to work with new talent so that's when we when we find that new talent uh you know it's definitely a lot of conversations is this the right role for you uh is this you know gonna be a good fit you know whatever um Joe is another example of that because in he comes to kill he originally was supposed to just be a very minor character but when we had some dropouts, he, he advocated himself to be the chief Sanders. Yeah. And I was kind of like hesitant about it. And, and we've talked about this on my podcast. I was like, I don't know, because I've always saw him in these really drama and comedy roles. And chief Sanders was supposed to be like, kind of this like super serious guy and all these like intimidating things about him. And, uh, you know, he was like, no, I can do it. And I was like, okay. So I, I got him <laughs> and he, I mean, the thing is, Chief Sanders ended up being a completely different character. Yeah. But it ended up being so much better than what I had in mind. And I didn't know what I was going to get out of Joe. So seeing what he did with that character, it just floored me. Super, super exciting, super funny, um, super intense. And, and uh, you know, he became a fan favorite out of that film. And he's became, I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan of Joe. Now, yeah. And he's one of my good buddies. I love hanging out with that guy. And so, you know, that just, it's just one of those things. Like sometimes you get something that you're not expecting. Um, and, and yeah, you just have to kind of figure out that either working with them or having those conversations beforehand. But once you do establish a good connection with someone, it's really fun writing them into future projects. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to ask about changes from script to shooting, like because I always kind of assume once the script is wrote, that kind of acts as your, for want of a better phrase, your playbook, and you kind of have to stick to that. But it sounds like things change and things just adapt as new people bring new stuff to the table. Yeah, always, man. I'd say every script I've ever written, um, every film we've ever done, there's it's always original. The original version was different, and yeah whether it's a minor way or a major way, but um, it, it's, it's interesting because a lot of it can be out of your control. A lot of it's just, you know, you get there and you're shooting and it's just like either maybe the, the talent's not there with it or, uh, or it's just like something's just not working the way you had in mind. So it, it's a lot of variables. Um, and I think 
the, the talent does have to do a lot with it because again, if especially a lot more positive experiences than negative, but if you have um, someone who's just bringing something really, really interesting and engaging and fun, you're like, Oh wow, this is adding a lot to this movie. And then yeah. that kind of can even pivot a little bit of how the rest of the movie will go because you see something you're like that. I love that. Yeah. Let's keep that going into the rest of the movie, you know, something like that. But then like he comes to kill. We, um, I, I, that movie as, as great as it came out, I had so many issues going into it just because I had people I would cast and then, uh, you know, I announced their casting and then they'd come back at me and say, I'm sorry, I can't do the role because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, dude, we're about to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, so I had to like recast, you know, a week before we shot, I had to, you know, there was a bunch of different things like that. Uh, like we had someone drop out after we shot their scene. He was supposed to be a major character for the rest of the movie. So that's kind of, you know, rewriting the entire rest of the film, like the, the week of shooting and stuff like that and figuring that out, you know, uh, you, you, you get stuff like that that happens and you just kind of have to roll with the punches and, and kind of think of the most clever way to, to get through that. Um, but yeah, it evolves. It always evolves. It's like, it's an, it's an untamed beast and you just kind of have to, be the best circus leader you can be and, and try to keep it all together and let it still let the story still tell and, and just have fun with it again, because we're not Hollywood studios. We're not paying everybody. We're not getting paid to do it. We're just like passionate, creative people trying to tell a cool story. And you have to take the, the challenges with that. You know, you have to roll with the punches and, uh, it can get out of control or it can be really stressful. But if you can just work through that and get to get through it and, and, uh, and get it all back together, then that's where you're like, wow, okay, we pulled that off and it turned out even better than we imagined. That's cool. The show must go on, mustn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, now when you are, uh, let's, let's now sort of zero in on the film set itself. Um, I'm assuming you can't just rock up and record um so tell me tell me all about kind of like the film set and what's happening there like explain it to me as if i was an alien who's never heard of a movie just visiting earth for the first time mm-hmm. how would you describe that environment well film sets are uh you know they're you, you get there depending on where you're at you know if it's a public if it's like a business or something and you only have like eight hours or six hours to shoot something or whatever it is like you're like okay we have X amount of time. We have to do this. We have to get all of our stuff done out the door by this time. So it's kind of like, I don't know. The first bit of it is always me getting everyone there, kind of starting to get people in place, you know, kind of like it's, it's really about 30, 45 minutes, even an hour of just kind of mentally preparing and getting physically ready to shoot, getting, make sure all the gear is ready, making sure the actors are good, all the makeup's done, setting people up in the right places and things like that. You know, and then and then once it comes down to it, it's like you kind of just have to start, you know, and and, you know, when you're not working with a huge crew um, and you're not working with huge, huge cameras, if you've got a DSLR, which is what I shoot with primarily, um, it, you can just like run and gun. The, yeah, there you <laughs> I go. Need to, yeah, I need to bring this onto the podcast. But yeah, yeah uh, if you watch on sure. YouTube, I just literally put a camera in front of the camera. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah, I've got a GH5 and I love that thing, but it is a it's perfect for running and gunning. So, um, you know, if if you got the time to set up everything properly, 
then you're good. You just gotta you just got to hit start hitting record and, and framing everything up and, and rolling with it. But there are some places where you do have to kind of go with the guerrilla style filmmaking and just run and gun like, hey, we're not even probably supposed to be here, but let's start shooting, you know. So like we we shot at a cemetery the other day and I was like I kept thinking we're gonna get run off, you know, because I was like, I don't know if we're even supposed to be here, but uh it's too good of a location to pass up and we got to get this done. So we got Joe dressed up as a Bishop and we got like me and two other guys and I got the camera. I'm like, all right, let's, uh, let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's, you know, and you, you know, stuff like that. It's a little bit of a thrill, you know, you're like, all right, you know, but um, yeah, when it comes to a set, like a proper set, it's just a matter of kind of delegating your crew, getting everything set up properly, getting yourself mentally and physically prepared for what you're about to do um being very very communicative with everyone and then just taking that deep breath and just hitting record after you get the first thing framed up and you're like all right action and uh and, and you just start and i say like the first like for me always the first few takes the first like 15 20 minutes of shooting it's kind of awkward it's like just like trying to find your footing you know yeah. like am i doing am i uh like you're not as confident about it because you're just nervous you're just nervous about the whole thing you know, make sure you're doing a good job and, and getting, getting it done. My dog's barking now. Um, but, um, but then, uh, once, once the ball starts rolling and once it's like really going and people are, everyone's getting more more loose, then it's like, it's just nonstop. You're like, you're, you, you'll be surprised how fast you're moving and how much stuff you're getting done done in that time so it, it's cool yeah you just just a matter of starting and of course once they've given you sort of everything that they have uh you've got all of your footage uh obviously the film doesn't edit itself together and yeah. all of the post-production stuff doesn't happen on its own so can you walk me through everything that happens there yeah i mean the post-production stuff is probably the toughest i mean you know you can because you can have a really, really fantastic shoot. You can, um, or you think you have a fantastic shoot and you don't get some of the things that you really needed or you missed something or yeah. you just didn't get that right shot or angle or the dialogue or whatever you miss, you know, you miss something that's going to help. That's going to hurt, you know, make it a challenge for post. I've seen people have great footage and great talent, but they can't edit something well. Yeah. You know, I've seen filmmakers that have that issue and you know, because post-production is very, very tough. It's very tedious. It's a long process. You know, you're, you're working with, I mean, tons and tons and tons of different footage, uh, audio, you know, sound effects, music, score, all that stuff, and title cards and everything. And you got to make sure that you're telling the story you want to tell, putting it together in a creative way, and uh, making it super engaging from start to finish, if, if you can. So it's uh it can be stressful. It's a lot of time, you know, I'm sitting on the computer for hours and hours and hours just editing. Yeah. You know, you hear that same clip that goes like, <laughs> Oh, this is getting juicy. This is getting juicy. This is getting juicy like over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> because you're trying to get that right take, that right angle, the right, you know, the right splice, you know. So it's just like you just hear that over and over again. But you know, I love editing. I yeah. really do. I've won best editing like a few times now. And I, and I think because I take pride in my editing, I get really excited about editing. I think even though it's probably the stressful part about the whole thing, I get really excited about doing yeah. it. But every time I shoot, I usually take about one to two weeks before I start because it's just kind of like that. Okay. Like, yeah, it's gonna, this is going to take a lot out of me. So I kind of just take a break. I let myself 
decompress uh, from the shoot. And I also, when I shoot, I kind of shoot in mind of how I'm editing also, kind of like how I want to put it together. So I'm also kind of painting a mental picture of what I think the film will look like. So when it comes down to getting the footage and the first first day of editing is always sorting the footage out, just kind of putting everything in its own boxes and all that stuff. But once it comes down to actually laying down everything, I always just do a really, really rough layout of the whole film just to kind of like, okay, this is how I imagined it. Da, da, da. And then it kind of goes through waves. So you got the rough layout, the little bit of refined layout, you know, then the actual tightening up of all that, making sure the audio is good and all that, and then adding the sound effects, the score, the music and title cards and all that. So once that's all done, ready to go, and however long that takes, uh, you put it out there and then it's all about marketing, you know, mm -hmm. just market the hell out of it. And, uh, you know, I try to market pretty heavy, uh, even from the beginning, from behind the scenes to shooting to more behind the scenes to teaser trailers and then uh, posters and then uh, the marketing through social media and clips and interviews and all that stuff like that. So we do a pretty good job of the marketing side of things, but it is, it's a long, long and challenging process. And a lot of people don't understand how much work that actually goes into that part of, you know, the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know future me while editing this episode is going to be at this point now and just thinking, <laughs> I should message August and be like, how much does he charge to edit an episode of this? Because <laughs> I've only got, I've got three shots. I've got your, your, your few, my few, and then the split screen that I make that yeah, I, I switch yeah. back to. And I've only got three and that takes me forever in a day. Yeah. You have three billion shots or thereabouts yeah, to deal with. So yeah. What do you charge? <laughs> yeah. Hit me up. We'll talk. <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's true. I mean, because I, you know, I, I edit my podcast too. And it's the same deal where I do these virtual ones. I, I, I make it a, I make it a point where I split it. You know, I do the split screen for the intro and then it's one-on-one -on -one for each, you know, for the, for whoever's talking. And, you know, that is tedious itself too. Yeah. You get to those points and cut and splice and all those things and clean up anything that's a little bit messy or whatnot. But um, you know, you, you once you edit long enough, it, it gets a little. It, it's it's a lot easier. It's just a little bit of time, but you can just I can zip through it real quick on those kinds of projects. But uh, yeah, the big film, the film. So especially when I had he comes to kill my guy because that was my longest film and just so many pieces went into that. It just it it. it made me feel like my computer was crashing because it just was so much on my computer. I was doing all 4K too. It was a lot. But uh, yeah, editing is a beast. It's a, I, I hats off to anyone who can edit, especially yeah. uh, good You're editing. the saviors of all of us in yeah. audio, yeah. in visual. You are our saviors. Yeah. We love you. We absolutely love you. <laughs> um, thank you for that. That was very much a filmmaking 101. So I have a bit of a tradition that I like to end every episode with. Uh, these questions come from the Prost Questionnaire, which were then later adapted by Bernard Pivot, uh, later by the late, great James Lipton. And now I present my Boo, There's Something Behind You adaptation to you. Okay. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Yeah, your favorite word. Ooh. Man, that's a tough question. Um... <laughs> oh man i don't know i've never been asked that before um hmm i like exquisite that's exquisite a cool word mm -hmm. yeah that's a cool word um i don't know i uh 
I say, I mean, if you're thinking fancy words, I like exquisite. I think that's a cool word, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I just like to, I don't know. I, I like to say right on a lot. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a really, it's a phrase, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a favorite word to be honest. I, I like exquisite. That's a cool word, but I don't, I don't know if I've got a favorite one. That's, that's a good question though. <laughs> All right. I don't want to leave too much dead air on the, on the show. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Ooh, uh, well, it's, I don't know if it's a, technically a word, but I hate when people just say K, like if I'm getting a text and it's just, yeah. just K, oh, that drives me so mad. I don't care if you're my mom, my best friend, or whatever. If you're someone I don't know and you say K, there's a good chance I don't want to talk to you again. <laughs> like I get so mad when someone just says K. And I'm like, hmm, okay. You could just say okay. I would be okay with that. Like, that's fine, but... Okay. Ooh. So yeah, it's yeah. another phrase there. Okay. <laughs> For me on Facebook, it's that thumbs up. Oh it, yeah. It's just yeah. Oh, with the, yeah, yeah. I think I feel like I might have done that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll have a look. I'll have a look later on, yeah. and then that will decide how but, good the edit is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, I don't like that either. And it's funny because sometimes I'll use that, and I go, oh, "I'm doing it." The, the one thing I don't like doing on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. What engages you? Oh, it engages me. Um, people usually, you know, just connections, and um, I I just thrive off. Uh, I I'm a very in, inter. Uh, uh, what's um, what's the word? I'm like inter. Now, just a very like I have to be by myself a lot. You know, Introver- like, but yeah. just introverted. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of. I'm a very introverted person, but at the same time, I I need that extroverted side of me to come out because, yeah. like, I get uh, if I'm too introverted for too long, it's it, I get in a weird place, you know. So I need that I need that extroverted side of me to come out. So people really excite me, fuel me, whether it's friend, family, uh, or just a social gathering somewhere, an event, something like that. Like I need to do that, and that excites me. That makes me look forward to things in the week and stuff like that too. So. Yeah, people, they inspire me. Everyone inspires me, too. Like, if uh, if I'm really connecting with someone, having a good time with someone, yeah. or I see something, someone that I really look up to doing really cool things, that just makes me want to be a better person, makes me want to be better creative and all that stuff, too. So, people, I, I think that really engages me. And what disengages you? Negativity. I don't know. You, mm-hmm. you see that? I mean, social media is a bad spot to be sometimes because you see a lot of it um but negativity uh people who have bad attitudes and and who can't who can't uh back up a lot of the things they say you know I, I i deal with a lot of there's a lot of people in this area that will say that they're doing stuff and they never do it and then mm-hmm. they make a big deal about it and make excuses or they blame everyone else for it, and it's like you know i i don't have time for that i don't want to be around that um so yeah i don't uh i don't like i i'm a very very positive person i like to try to be around positive people and stuff like that and then when the world or people try to cr- bring that down that's kind of like it's a little hairy so i, I try to disengage that <laughs> what sound of noise do you love i like the sound of rain mm-hmm. like rain outside or even like white noise like static tv or something like that but i'd say honestly every night i just let my fan just hearing the fan the ceiling fan, so i can go to sleep <laughs> and what sound of noise do you hate Ooh, um hmm do not like do not like 
I was gonna say screaming kids, but I got a screaming kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bad, but uh, I don't know. I don't like uh, just like those uncomfortable screechies, you know, crawly sounds like the, something you know, like if you rub your hand on a car or something like that, you can kind of hear the slight like or like the on a glass or something like that. I don't know. There's like those squeaky, just like gets under your skin kind of sounds, you know, so something like that. <laughs> Question seven is everyone's favorite and mine too. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Can I say it out on this show? Please do. Yes. <laughs> fuck. I love saying fuck, dude. I, I, I have a foul mouth, dude. I really do. I, <laughs> I can't help it either. I just, I, it's just like in my vocabulary. I, like I can turn it off, you know, for stuff like this or work or whatever. But uh, yeah, dude, if it's if it's just free flowing, I'm like, what the fuck, you know, fuck this, fuck that, or whatever. Like, I, it's just a fun word to use. Yeah, like same. It's turned off when I'm podcasting. Yeah, save it for this one question. You're allowed one swear word in my podcasts, but the second this recording is off, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, it's like, I'll even curse a lot and not even because I'm trying to be mean or anything. It's just, I just, it's just yeah. part of the vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, question eight. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Oh, I'd love to be a musician if I could. I'd, uh, I, I, I love music so much. I fiddled around the bass guitar for a long time. Uh, I still have, I, ch- I still try to pick it up when I can, but it's, uh, I'd love to be able to like really play guitar or something like actual guitar or drums. I love drums. Uh, just any sort of, if I could get like super, super good at a instrument, I would love to be a musician. I think that would be yeah. a wonderful, fun, you know, world to explore for sure. And what profession would you not like to do? Uh, there's a lot of those, uh, <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably is something like uh, being like a doctor or something. I don't know. Just being something where it's like way above me. Those <laughs> super serious roles or like a politician. God, that's probably the I would hate to be a politician. Uh, yeah, something like that. Politics or anything in the science realm. I'm not good at that stuff. But uh, there's a lot I I, I could. I could probably think of the dirtiest, nastiest job out there and be like, nah, that does not sound fun at all. But <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Final question. If you could say only one statement to any one person, what would that statement be? And who would that person be? Um, <clears throat> I would say dream up a good life. And I would say that to my son. Um, because I want him to know that he can, you can chase, you can chase anything you ever want to chase. You know, you can, yeah. you can create the life you want to create. Um, and I think it's very, very important to tell people that because you're always, it's, we're just in this weird world where it's like, you just condition so, so much as a kid, you know, you got to follow the steps of life which is school and then college and then get married and then with a job and have a kid and all these things and be very very traditional you know and retire at 65 and that's not the case for everybody it's not really the case for me i mean i i have a son and i had that corporate job and you know i went to college and all these things but a lot of that my most of my life was very it was almost you know kind of 
conditioned into that. It was kind of like, this is what you got to do. And I, I just felt like I was never confident enough or had the support behind me to say, chase your dreams, go for what you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important to understand that this world is not how it used to be decades ago. We're, we're, we live in a really exciting time where anybody can do anything and make a living off of it or, you know, at least have it that makes them happy. And I think you just need to be, dream up that good life. Dream up a life that you think is uh, best for you and find how you can get to that point and um, just dare to be big and dare to dream and chase after what you love and want to do. And uh, whether that's for your full-time passion or as a hobby, just you got to find that and, and figure out what's best for you and best for your path, not having someone else tell you what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing with your life. 